Ball floated forward. Ball bounces in front. It's in. It's in. It's level. It's Slago. Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Orlando Soccer Show. Today, well, it's just me, Austin David. Bringing you all the latest in the Orlando City Pride and OCB news and commentary and whatever. Uh, we're just going to kind of whipsaw through a bunch of stuff that's happened because there's been a lot of stuff that's happened. And we had a show last week, talked a little bit about stuff that was potentially happening. And, well, a lot more stuff has happened. The summer months are going to come fast and furious. Orlando City now has seven games in July. Six competitive, one non-competitive and five of those seven being MLS games. So there's uh, a lot to talk about. First off, we'll go through Orlando City. We'll go through the last couple games and talk a little bit about uh, the U.S. Open Cup win and the loss to uh, Cincinnati. Then after that, we'll talk about the Pride, what the heck's going on over there. Then we'll wrap up with OCB. So it'll be a fairly quick episode because, again, it's, it's just me. All by my lonesome. Uh, it's just one of those things where nobody's schedules could match up. So, I'm going to rant for the next 45 minutes. Here we go. All right, Orlando City. They lost to FC Cincinnati. It was not a great performance by any means by any of the players other than Pedro Galese. He was great. Had eight saves. If not for him... They would have lost by probably three or four. It was an unfortunate circumstance before the game because they had to switch out a lot of things. Mauricio Pereira was not with the team. He was out and did not travel as a precautionary purpose, so his knee was flaring up, he said. So that's one big piece of your offense out. Then, Jean Moutinho goes down with injury. He goes down right before the game starts. Thomas Williams has to come in as a left back. Kyle Smith, because Robin Janssen was suspended, was starting at center back already. So it was a recipe for disaster. And while it wasn't quite as much of a disaster as you would have thought it would be based on those things, because they only lost one nothing, but it was a one nothing loss to Cincinnati, who uh, just this past week had a wild game against NYCFC, which finished 4-4. Uh, go figure, FC Cincinnati just has a history of being a part of really wild games. Anyways, um, it was just not a great overall performance for most players. Uh, one to forget and you move on. And so we do. You know, the, the, the biggest takeaway from that game was that Antonio Carlos came back. Played 45 minutes, came in at halftime for... Uh, who did he come in for? He came in for Thomas Williams. Played 45, looked fine. You know, it was his first game back since April. But the point of the matter is, you get him back, he's starting to get healthy. I asked Oscar Pereja after the U.S. Open Cup game what he thinks the the limit for uh, Antonio is going forward in terms of his minutes and availability and if he's ready to go a full 90. And, well, as of right now... Uh, obviously he said they're, they're taking it pretty cautiously, you know, um, because he was gone for so long, they don't want to overload him right out of the gate. 
I think he said something along the lines of, we want to be respectful with the time uh, and giving him time. But at the same time, uh, you see where he is playing-wise. And Wednesday was was progress because he, he played a lot of minutes, about 60 minutes or so in that game in the U.S. Open Cup. So he went from 45 to 60, and we'll see if he's ready for a full 90. They were shooting for having him back for a, for a full 90 or at least to have him come back to start playing around this game on Monday against DC United. So the timeline is is a couple days early, which means they could have him a full 90, but knowing Oscar, they'll probably still go with Rodrigo and with Robin, especially since DC is struggling a bit, and maybe bring him on in the, early in the second half. Try and get him a lot more minutes, and then... By the next game against Miami, he'll be a full 90. So that's kind of things where, where things stand with, with Antonio Carlos. Now, looking at the game just a couple days ago, U.S. Open Cup, quarterfinals, Orlando is hosting Nashville. Nashville has always been a very weird team that Orlando has played against. And it's it's gone... I, I don't know the way to describe those games. Um, like Orlando has had the weirdest luck with, with Nashville. Go back to, to 2021, the last game at home that they played, um, what was it? Uh, end of October could have gotten them in the playoffs. You know, ball, ball goes in the back of the net in the 90th minute. It's called back finishes a one, one draw, right? These teams just drew all the time. All the regular season games they played, 2021, draw, draw, draw. Then they get to the playoffs. Well, it was in Nashville, and you probably expected it to be a draw, but um, uh, towards the end of the game, Nashville kind of pulled away, and that that ended Orlando's uh, season. Uh, When you you look back to 2020, um, it was better. You know, Orlando had a a three one win against Nashville, uh, which was fairly dominant at Exploria. Uh, you had the game against uh, Nashville in Nissan Stadium, which was a one one draw, and then uh, there was another one where Nashville won in stoppage time, where basically like Orlando just completely fell apart. They let up two goals in the last five minutes of the game. So, based on that history. And based how Nashville has continued that style of play where basically it's defend and counter, they're pretty good at countering, you knew it was going to be an interesting game. But not this interesting. Orlando, first half, poor. Don't even want to really talk about that, and neither did the team, to be fair. They understood that they were just bad in the first half. They were outplayed. Oscar said it as much. You fix it at halftime. Come out in the second half. Things look better. You know, you get two chances within the first 10 minutes of the second half opening. They don't go in. Uh, Junior Urso has one from about 12 yards out that he just absolutely skies. And then off a bicycle kick try, Mauricio Pereira almost taps it home but pulls it wide. And I remember this moment because I was I was live tweeting the game. And I said, if Orlando keeps missing some of these chances, they're going to be made to pay. And as I hit the send button... Henny Mukhtar taps in the goal to make it one nothing Nashville. 
And uh, our co, you know, my co-host Gavin Eubank, he literally messaged me. He's like, "Blame Austin. It's your fault. You tweeted, and that's what that's why you don't tweet. Never tweet. And that that's a lesson for everyone listening to this show. Never tweet." <laughs> Well, it was one nothing Nashville in the 52nd minute. Orlando was still creating them ch- themselves chances. They just couldn't finish anything. I mean, it looked like it was not their day. It it looked like there was no way that they could come back and and make a game of it. And I'll be honest, I had my entire story written because I didn't think that there would be anything to write about after this one nothing loss. I I put it together it was saying they rude their you know they missed all their chances and that's why they lost. And then of course, free kick in the ninety second minute. I'm like, okay, here we go. This is the last chance for Orlando. There's 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 no way they get anything after this because Nashville will milk the clock and then the game will be over and then I can send out my recap, whatever. Then, of course, Mauricio puts the ball in. It, it takes a deflection off uh, either Antonio or Benji. I can't remember exactly who's someone in that vicinity. And then it falls perfectly for Rodrigo Schlegel, who finds himself in the big moments all the time, whether in goal, around the goal, in front of goal, behind the goal. It's just he finds himself in these big moments for Orlando City and has become a cult hero for them. Scores in the 94th minute. Ties the game up at 1-1, sends it to extra time. At that point, you're saying, okay, it's 30 more minutes. There's got to be a way that Orlando finds a goal. Now, you know, Nashville took off all of their defense, their, their offensive players to put in defensive players. And Orlando took off a lot of their defensive players to put in offensive players. So if anybody who is going to score a goal, you would think it would be Orlando based on their offensive players on the field. But because they didn't have many defensive players, it could have gone either way. So, first minute of extra time goes in. Sean Davis, who had already been on a yellow. There were so many yellows in this game. I think there were 14, including the coaches. But yeah, 91st minute, he gets a second yellow, and he's he's off. Ten men for the rest of the game. And Nashville just sits back and and defends the entire 30 minutes of extra time. Sends it to penalties. Now, Orlando has a really, really weird thing with penalties. Since their MLS tenure, they haven't lost a shootout. Go back to you know, MLS is back, U.S. Open Cup, regular season. It doesn't matter. They haven't lost a playoff or they haven't lost a penalty shootout. And they continue that trend. 2019. Adam Grinwis makes the save against NYCFC to send Orlando City into the semifinals of the U.S. Open Cup. 2022. With Adam on the bench, Pedro Galese makes the save against Nashville to send Orlando City to the Open Cup semifinals. And just like in 2019, they will be hosting the semifinals. Last time it was the Atlanta United side. This time it's the New York Red Bulls. And again, this is the easiest pathway to a trophy. You win this one, you host the next one. Doesn't matter who you're playing, you're hosting the final. That'll be in August at some point. 
But right now, uh, that game at the end of July is so far away from this team. It's not even a focus right now. They're they're happy that they won against Nashville. They're happy that they're in the semifinals. They're happy that they're hosting said semifinals. But when you look at Orlando City's schedule right now, it is hell. Not only do they play on Monday, July 4th against DC United, which I've already mentioned, they play on July 9th against Miami at home. Then they go out west on the 13th to play Colorado. Then they come back east to play in Atlanta. Three days after that, they play a friendly against Premier League side Arsenal. Three days after that, they host Philadelphia, who's currently one of the top teams in the league. Then you have the Open Cup game four days after that. And then four days after that, you're at Audi Field to play DC United. So, uh... Yeah, that, this this month is going to be the most truncated for Orlando City uh, that I have seen in a long time. Because, again, the the Arsenal-friendly is, is one thing. I don't know how Orlando is going to prep that. I don't know if they're just going to play reserves or what, but uh, they're playing one of the best teams in the East three days after that Arsenal game. And then a couple days before that, they're playing at Mercedes-Benz on ABC at 3 o'clock in the afternoon against Atlanta. And I remember Oscar talking about it the other day because, you know, Mike Romajo, our, our good friend and, and occasional co-host of the show, um, asked Oscar about it. And he said, you know, you've got seven games in the month of July. What what do you do? Like, how, how do you deal with this? Um, and he, he said something along the lines of, you know, just uh, he said, we're, you know, we're going to focus on our next step, at, at, which is D.C., and wait for, for that semifinal, which is important uh, because Orlando is one of the last four teams and heading into the cup that nobody has given them anything. They deserve it. Um, but, you know, he said, uh, you know, we're going to have a, a busy week and a busy month and then we'll, we'll get the boys ready. That was that was pretty much the extent of what Oscar said. They're taking it game by game. Their next focus is D.C. Not much to say in regards to that. Huh, okay, so as I mentioned, DC United. They're they're a team that has been struggling lately. It, and Oscar said as much. You know, they're they're a, a team that they've they've had some successes and some failures this year. And it's a uh it's a very weird team. They lost to Chicago. Chicago's not all that great. They lost to Nashville. Nashville's pretty decent currently dc united dead last in the east they're actually even one point below the lowest team in the west so they're the last team in the league right now to put it in perspective the thing with dc is that they have good players taxi found us is a great player who has been a great signing for them. The issue is that their their team has just not been together enough. If I remember right, Bill Amid was out due to illness a couple weeks ago and didn't play in their last game uh, against Nashville. 
So he could be making a comeback for this game against Orlando. Uh, otherwise, they'll be having Rafael Romo, uh, the Venezuelan goalkeeper, starting for them again. John Kempen, funny enough, former Orlando City USL player, uh, is their backup. He's not been great this year, unfortunately. Um, he's he's played a number of their games this year as well. So um, outside of that, they still have Ola Kamara. They still have Russell Canals, uh, Chris Durkin, Steve Berenbaum, uh julian gressel you know guys that are, are notable and you you could probably say like oh yeah i know that guy um even andy nahar i mean he's still with dc united and he, you know i remember he was a he was a wonder kid back in early mls days well not early mls days like early 2010 mls days either way um taxi fontas is is the guy to watch out for ola kamara is obviously dangerous up front but outside of that this is a team that Orlando City probably should beat, if I'm I'm being honest. Like this is a team that they'll throw five in the back, but they haven't been that great in terms of their defense. I put it to you this way: they they've been outscored over their last like two months by I I think double digits at this point. You know, they've, they they haven't won a game since May 7th. They've got a lot of losses and a lot of draws. But outside of that, nothing in the league that they've really done well in. So, perfect opportunity for Orlando to find their scoring footing, maybe actually score three goals in a game for the first time this year, which, again, concerning if you're Orlando haven't scored three goals in this season at all so the hope is that this is the time dc united is a team that is not doing well and orlando needs to regain their scoring form as they head into a really grueling month so we'll see where that goes outside of that just some general notes uh talked to oscar Perea today in fact um he talked about sylvester vandervater and I, i'll bring up the whole story with Sylvester in a minute here but he he didn't really comment too much on it he said you know he's he's uh his intentions are are to to go to another club and there's an agreement but uh you know I'm focused on the players that are currently here that's all well and good however Sylvester Vander Vanderwater is now officially gone from Orlando City he has transferred to SC Camber back in the Netherlands back home he's got a a, a wife and a kid now so I think it was just better for him personally and you know maybe not professionally because he wasn't getting playing time here so getting playing time back home uh once he heals from his uh injury that he suffered back a couple months ago uh he'll be back on the field for them in well a month or so when they start their season back up but it was uh not the greatest of tenures for Sylvester Vanderwater um he signed back in February of 2021 they paid over like a million dollars for him, give or take a, a you know, couple hundred thousand. And he he only play, uh, appeared in 31 MLS games over his two seasons, only started 12 of them, and barely played over a thousand minutes. Scored three goals, had three assists. His left foot's great, but that was his liability. Is he was he was great left foot. Everybody knew that. He had no right foot. This is how it was. 
And um, defensively, he wasn't uh, it, the way Oscar wants to play. He was just wasn't as defensive minded uh, in some instances. So didn't work out. A, a, a miss for Mosey and Co. And uh, back to the drawing board. And I asked Oscar, you know, like it's it's transfer season. What what is the biggest uh, need for this team right now? And he said, "Well, Sylvester's gone, so that would be a, a, a position of need." Um, you know, he said, uh, "With the amount of games, especially in July, when we're going to need people here, uh, our urgency is trying to be and trying to have more numbers." You know, we have seven games in forty-five days. The the club is helping us. They're being very responsible and trying to get a good roster out and manage our our team. Um, you know, we we definitely want an offensive team that uh, can be heavy in the front, and getting a a a player for depth would help us out in the enforcement uh, going forward. And that's that's kind of ver- almost verbatim what Oscar said to me uh, earlier this morning, uh, being Friday. Now, outside of that, for Orlando City, um, I do want to give a shout out to Mikey Holiday. He has been playing with the uh US U20s uh they're in the championship i believe by the time this show comes out uh they will be uh the game will be over cuz if they beat Honduras tonight being the first uh they'll qualify for the 2024 Olympic Games in Paris and that would be the first time they qualify since 2008 so um, unfortunately, I won't be able to, to share the results of that with you, but uh, I can say that, that Mikey has been playing, and he's been playing well, and Oscar has been watching him. Um, you know, he's, he's, he mentioned Thomas Williams and, and getting more minutes and just proud of the, the young guys, especially in the academy, which I'll talk to in a second. Uh, but with Mikey and, and, you know, playing for the national team, that's, that's the, the goal for this team is to be able to put these guys in positions where they can succeed not only domestically but internationally and this is just another big step in orlando city's big process of developing youth talent you know you mentioned alex freeman as well uh as one of those other players who's been getting call-ups from the national team the youth national team and then going into uh, the orlando city uh, youth um you know they've they've got I believe the the MLS Next is is the the tournament that's happening on in in Texas right now. Um, they've got into the semifinals themselves. You know, Orlando City made it to the semifinals um, in the in the uh, U.S. Open Cup, and the uh, well the U17s they made it into um, they made it into the semifinals themselves. So they're going to be playing the Columbus Crew. Friday, so by the time this show comes out, you'll know who won or lost because they'll be playing either LAFC or Philly um, in that final match on the 3rd at 8 o'clock Eastern. Uh, so if if Orlando City does make it to the final, they have a chance of repeating the U-17 championship back-to-back years, which would be a very big boon for Orlando City and their kind of youth development. Um you know, outside of that, um, you know, the, the other youth squads didn't have the uh, greatest of, of times. You know, uh, the U, 
was it the U15s, I think, crashed out in one of the earlier rounds, the round of 32. Um, I want to say the... I think that was the only other team that they sent. Um, actually, they did send a, a a team for the U19s, which lost in the round of 32 to Tampa Bay United. Um, but yeah, outside of the U17s, it is it, 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 nothing else really to, to mention big time with the uh, MLS Next Cup. So definitely keep an eye out for what happens with, with all of that. Because again, if... If the U-17s win, they're back-to-back champions. And if Mikey Holiday wins, they're going to the Olympics. So big time for uh, Orlando City youth as they head into uh, the rest of their uh, tournament. Now, with that all done for Orlando City, I'll go very quickly with OCB, and then we'll wrap up with the Pride because there's, again, a lot to talk about with the Orlando Pride. So... Orlando City B, they played FC Cincinnati 2 in their last game out. Day after Orlando City played FC Cincinnati. Adam Grinwis made a surprise appearance in goal. Um, Javier Otero was uh, on the bench for this one just to get Grinny some minutes. I think it was kind of important because he's been sitting on the bench all season for Orlando City. Uh, not even sometimes because Mason has been on the bench early part of the season. Uh other players like Alex Freeman, uh, Joey Desart, and Jack Lynn, guys who haven't necessarily been getting minutes for the first team, were uh, with OCB and starting. And they did great. 3-1 winners over FC Cincinnati 2. Jack Lynn scored again. Uh, he has been on an absolute tear, and he doesn't look like he's slowing down at all. And that's great for Orlando City. You know, it, they they do need some scoring opportunities, some scoring just just players that can score, especially in this month that is coming up. Jacklin's got ten goals this season. I, I I know it's I know it's MLS next. It's not the same kind of competition you'll face against MLS player, but it's nothing to snuff at when you score ten goals. He has been the guy for OCB to score goals. And he scored 10 games, 10 goals, two assists even. Definitely a, a, a player to look out for throughout this month of July, maybe to get a shot to give some guys some rest. But OCB, uh, it was their first win in a while, put it that way. <laughs> Um, they've, they're, they're okay. Uh, you know, the, the results don't matter so much in their first season, getting some of these guys playing time, kind of evaluating talent. That's going to be their, their big kind of calling point for this season. Their next game isn't until, well, it's tonight against Rochester. It's a makeup game from, uh, earlier in the season. They had to move things because Rochester's field was not uh, prepared to host a game. So they had to move the game all the way to uh, tonight, which is July 1st. So again, by the time the show comes out, the result will be done and dusted. But uh, right now, OCB in the uh, MLS Next Pro standings, uh, currently sitting in eighth. 
So if they win, they're right outside the playoff line. They've got 14 points. A win takes them to 17 points. Rochester is currently in fourth, which is the playoff line, with 20 points. So a win could do them pretty good. But other than that, they're 8 out of 10 right now. Not a lot separating the two teams or just, you know, any teams. Basically, Columbus Crew 2 at 31 points, far and away the best team. Everybody else within 10 points from 2nd to ninth. So that's all for, for OCB as of right now. Now, oh boy, let's talk about the Orlando Pride. They signed a new player. Um, I'm sure that's what Orlando Pride fans want, right? To sign new players. They signed an 18-year-old Malta international, Haley uh, Bugeya, I believe is how you pronounce her name. I hope I'm not butchering that. Uh, but Haley is, is one of those players who is, uh, pretty high on people's lists in terms of, uh, their, their wonder kid status. I've seen some, some articles from ESPN talking a little bit about how she's on their, uh, ones to watch list. Uh, goal.com has her as one of the best 20 wonder kids in women's football. And, um, I think ESPN had her as uh, one of the twenty-one best twenty-one players, twenty-one and under. Uh, so definitely a a player that has a lot of promise and can score goals. Right now, Orlando City needs players that can score goals, and at eighteen years old, she can score goals. The biggest question for her right now is, can she do it at the top level in NWSL? And that's what we're going to find out. Uh, she probably won't be joining the team uh, until, uh, I would say, a couple weeks from now. There's still a lot of time in between uh, when she gets her uh, visa and international transfer certificate approved. And then she can officially come over stateside, start training with the team. I don't think they're going to rush her to play. They want her to get to get a little acclimated. So I would say a couple weeks from now is when you'll be seeing... Uh, uh, Bujea. Oh God, I'm gonna have to learn this name. Uh, I think it's Haley Bujea. That's that's how I'm gonna go with it. Anyway, she's a Malta Malta international. She's played for her uh, country. She's scored goals for her country, uh, and she's just coming off a season in Italy. So, promising young talent that is now signed with the Orlando Pride. Very, very exciting. But that's not probably what most Orlando Pride fans want to talk about, right? I understand that uh, this is a step in the right direction. Other things that have happened lately, maybe not. Um, Obviously, there was the 6-0 loss that they had to Portland. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. They've been back into training, getting ready for this coming weekend. They're going to be playing... Louisville at Daytona on Sunday, July 3rd, which by the time this show comes out will be the next day. That's all well and good. That should be a very exciting time. You know, Chance the Rapper is going to be playing as the players are going to be warming up. That's very exciting. But what's not exciting for most Orlando Pride fans is the fact that Orlando's 
has traded Sidney LaRue to Angel City. A first-round draft pick in the 2024 NWSL draft, along with $75,000 in allocation money, is what the Pride received, plus an additional 10000 in 2022 in allocation money and 10000 in 2023 allocation money if she meets certain performance-based criteria. Now, I think a lot of fans are saying, what the hell is going on with this Orlando team? We still haven't heard about Amanda Cromwell. We still don't understand why all these players were traded away. We're frustrated, et cetera, et cetera. And I completely understand that. Um, there has been a lot going on with this Orlando Pride team. And there's a lot I can't talk about yet. There is there's a lot that has happened. And I really wish I could share more of it with you because it all ties together. Right, the, the last couple weeks with Cromwell being suspended, Amy Turner and 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 Sydney LaRue, it, it all they're 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 not just separate. But I'm I'm working to find out more information before before I go out and say anything publicly. I want to have my ducks in a row. Uh, but know that there is there is there is something more to this story. Uh and it, it is a story, if it is true. The point of the matter is, though, Sydney LaRue is their top goal scorer. She signed a long-term contract to stay with the Pride just a couple years ago. And now she's gone. Sydney LaRue, one of the, the longest tenured players. I mean, she was she came in in 2018. Came in from Utah. They re-signed her in February of 21 to a three-year deal. That was somewhat unheard of in women's soccer. Showed her, it showed her commitment to Orlando and Orlando's commitment to her. But uh, this this year, um, things happened, and uh, well, it just it. She wasn't the same kind of player on the field. There, there were there were things happening that it just it, it, you could see it. The the team looked better overall. Uh, Larue. I mean, she scored goals. You know, she was she was their top goal scorer last year, this year. But there's not much I can say about it right now. Point of the matter is, it's 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 tough. It's tough for Orlando Pride. She was one of their biggest stars, familiar face to most casual fans, and right now, the biggest notable player in terms of their international pedigree is probably either Aaron McLeod or Gunny Onstadter. Right? I mean, as active players, I know Marta is Marta. There's no replacing Marta, but she's not active right now. Aaron is at least in goal every game, just about. Every other player is relatively unknown to most Orlando Pride or NWSL women's soccer fans. And and there's there is a a beauty in that where it's it's you know if they play well they can become notable names and faces because let's face it a lot of those players that fans are familiar with they're getting old and starting to retire you know they're, they're, it's they're they're past their prime you got players in the women's national team that are coming in and bringing a, a fresh young bevy of talent including some former Pride players. Carson Pickett and Taylor Korniak made their uh, U.S. Women's National Team debuts just this past weekend, and I'm sure that's frustrating for a lot of Pride fans to watch because Carson Pickett was 
not as good when she was playing with the pride as she is now with the North Carolina courage. Um, there, there I, I don't know something about Orlando just, uh, doesn't bring out the best in people, I guess. Same with Taylor Korniak. You know, she was, she, you could see the talent was there, but in her rookie year, she looked like a rookie this year. She's learned from playing as a rookie and, and is now, you know, thriving. Sometimes it just takes a change of scenery, and unfortunately for former Orlando Pride players, that seems to happen quite often. Which, again, plays into the whole frustration from fans. And I understand that. The Pride are, are looking into signing some more players. Uh, Ian Fleming is is doing what he can. The biggest issue right now is is coaching. right? Uh, Seb Hines is currently the interim coach. He's doing his best, but Amanda Cromwell and her staff are well, at least her and Sam Green are currently suspended still. And there there hasn't been any announcement whether that will change next week or next month. So it's hard to really make future plans and signings without knowing the future plans for your suspended head coach. So there, there's a lot of wait and see for this Orlando Pride team right now. But we're waiting and seeing right along with you. Biggest game is coming up this weekend. There will be a lot of eyes on this game. Pride Play Racing Louisville at Daytona Soccer Fest. It's going to be broadcast live on CBS Sports Network. Kickoff is at 8 o'clock. Tickets are obviously still available, and you can see Chance the Rapper perform beforehand. If you want, uh, you can buy tickets for the whole day, and you get to see a Legends game with a, a number of men's legend players. Uh, I think there is some other like carnival games going on. It's a whole event you know it's a, a festival so it's get, definitely going to be interesting but i think for for the pride right now it's just just trying to keep things as simple as possible and honestly just trying to make sure that they don't get blown out again it's two back-to-back games that they've been blown out five nothing and six nothing so we'll see how everything goes come sunday Right and uh, boy, that's it. That's all I've got. I did say about forty minutes of talking. I went about thirty-eight, give or take. We'll be back with a hopefully regularly scheduled episode next week with the full crew in tow. But I just wanted to get something out there, just kind of rant a bit. So uh, hope you enjoy this episode. Once again, we are up for a the best local podcast not on radio uh or the orlando weekly has nominated us uh, on their page so if you would uh be so kind you got five minutes head over to vote.orlandoweekly.com vote our way the orlando soccer show with that my name is austin david thank you very much for tuning in we'll see you next time you're dirty brown water trash and you're always going to be dirty brown water trash
Ball floated forward. Ball bounces in front. It's in. It's in. 